Blog Talk Radio. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures. I am your host, Paul Booth, and it is Thursday afternoon. We're going to be reviewing a film, although Dances with Films ended. This is a a part of the wrap. Um, I saw this film uh, as a screener. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend the big screen showing. And I was really intrigued because it's a actress who also wrote the piece and co-produced it. And it's always cool to see um, multi-talented filmmakers. It's so hard just to produce a film or direct a film, act. It's even hard to crew a film. People have so many misperceptions about the film business. Um, they just think because of the outrageous pay or perks that it's an easy thing, and um, it's, I mean, it's its tough to make a movie that doesn't work. So uh, when something does, you know it's extra good, you know that it's special, and so I immediately knew while I was watching this, which I usually don't do, that I was going to uh, have to try to interview this lead actress, um, who, of course, I didn't know till the credits. Uh, was the producer and, and writer. Uh, it was just kind of a wow, wow. Um, and we'll get into talking with her about how she didn't direct it. And um, But it was just, it was so unique. It didn't condescend. It didn't go for any cheap jokes. Um, it's sad that uh, the film is about mental illness. It's sad that people ever find humor in that. It's very, very rough on those that have it, on family members of it, and it's in no way a laughing matter. So the fact that this filmmaker found a way to uh, touch us and get inside our minds without, um, you know, just doing the usual. I guess it's it's the idea of hearing or seeing spontaneity, feeling spontaneity. And I'm going to bring in the director, Miss Erin Capaletti, one moment. Aloha, Erin, are you with us? Hi, Paul. Hello, how are you today? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm cooking in the studio. It's about 90 degrees, but um, other than that, it's going fantastic. Uh, it's uh, uh, are you are you West Coast or East Coast? We had oh yeah, are, you're, you're you're West Coast, right? Yeah, I'm on the West Coast in LA. Okay, so yeah, the, then you could probably I don't know if you're having the heat wave, but down here in Orange County, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, pretty, yeah, it's been pretty brutal. Yeah, so we, I want I'm only bringing that up because I wanted you and audience members to know. Um, I have a small fan running in the room, so it's not unprofessional sound or not paying, not paying attention to the sound. It's the simple fact that I don't feel like passing out just to do a podcast. So um, <laughs> with that, uh, Aaron and I were able to have a, a nice uh, prelim interview that we do with each guest to kind of see where they want to go and what their interests are and before you came on, Aaron, I had mentioned uh, how you uh, wrote this piece 
co-produced it, started it, and it's about mental illness. And I mm-hmm. kind of went through how you didn't go for any, you know, cheap jokes. You didn't go for any, um, you know, it always bothers me when people make fun of mental illness. I mean, I know the Farley Brothers movies do it, and they somehow seem to make it unoffensive. But um, so with that, uh, Josephine Doe, you guys can go to the website for all the info. Uh, this film played CineQuest. I discovered it at Dances with Films. Uh, the website, which we will plug again, and I'll let Aaron talk more about that, is www.allonewordjosephinedoe.com. And that's J-O-S-E-P-H-I-N-E-D-O-E.com. Uh, it also played CineQuest, so another prestigious festival. And it was kind of cool because one of our last guests for Dances with Films also played CineQuest. So it's nice to see that inadvertently our our guests are um, playing, mm-hmm. playing other festivals as well. So uh, with that, Aaron, um, my first question for you would be, uh, you know, why mental illness? Why... Um, you know, that for your, for your, for this first feature of yours? Um, well, it originally started off um, a little more lighthearted just with the idea of what if an adult had an imaginary friend type thing. Um, but the more that I followed the character and followed her, um, the more I just developed her, the more I realized that um, I wanted to make it really honest and see what, you know, what would it be like, you know, to, to realize or be told that what you're seeing is not real. Um, and so it sort of then took that path um, towards being more of a dramatic piece, um, obviously more that I, that I followed into the mental illness and um, just discovered what that, you know, just really just delved into what that would be like and um, what the consequences of that would be and how do you deal with that with your family and the people around you. Um, and how personally, that's what I found the most interesting was how personally you would deal with that and the kind of the questions that would form if you couldn't trust what you saw. Um, so that's kind of, you know, what grabbed me in and, and got me interested in telling that story. And, uh, yeah. Well, well, the, it's a great metaphor for not believing or knowing what we see because that could, that could apply to complete sanity, I think. Uh, I wouldn't even go into how many people aren't what you think they're going to be. And then you're kind of like, whoa, you know, we all have flaws. We all have, um, I don't like saying crazy because to me it's just human nature. But uh, in the society label of it, we all have issues. And um, so I'll I'll go into a brief synopsis here. Um, Who is Joe? Joe is the bright spark in Claire's dark reality a new friend in an otherwise isolated world. But when the two women find themselves in trouble with the law, Claire discovers Joe is not at all what she seems. Easy friendship splits open and reveals an unsettling truth. Um, I actually, uh, in the Dances with Films rap um, that we did, I uh, reviewed this. Um, more in depth so that's why i wasn't going to spend time on a review today and i don't know if you uh 
um, got to hear it or not. Did you get to hear that review that we did? Yeah, I listened to it the other day. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the, the positive oh, okay. words. <laughs> oh, thank you. I know I'm amazing, but you don't need to tell me. Um, <laughs> uh, I know you know I'm joking. Um, well, because we, we always, we're always uh, grateful to do it, and we hope that it can reach uh, filmmakers and, um, you know, like we had talked about, I've myself have had so many bad reviews that I've learned to just, uh, you know, get that good one gold plated because they're few and far between sometimes. So, uh, but it's all part of the process. So um, one thing I wanted to know since, since you wrote this, um, how, like how many drafts, how long did it take you a day? What, was there a time where you just had a surge and, and you got like 30 pages done and then sometimes you'd only get half a page done every day? I mean, how, how was the process for you? Well, from, I'd say about when the story really found its footing, you know, when it, when it shifted more to the story that it ended up becoming and, you know, became more of the drama rather than the comedy it originally was. Um, I would say it was about a year of working on it on and off with other projects. Um, it kind of was always near the top of the table, but, you know, would sometimes I'd put it to the side um, if it just needed time to, like, breathe, if I wasn't sure what to do with it. Um, but from when, I would say probably 2014 or so in April, we thought that it was pretty much in the place that we could go into production on it. And even then, we did a lot of rewrites, like a lot of rewrites all the way up until we were shooting. And then even um, on the day we were shooting, we would, I mean, especially because I was on set, it was easy to um, go ahead and do some rewrites if, you know, we were, you know, pretty small budget film. And, uh, you know, so sometimes we'd be able to get certain things and not other things. So being able to just sort of go with the flow and, and, and rewrite scenes to, you know, fit what we were able to get uh, was pretty clutch. So it's was, it was pretty much writing through the entire, the entire process. Um, so a lot of a lot of drafts. <laughs> uh, okay, I see. Because the real, um, the I mean, the, the two schools of filmmakers are that the <clears throat> the writing even goes on through the editing, even though it's an editor or director. So um, yeah. that's that's kind of where I, what I feel like. Uh, how about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, from I've worked on larger productions um, as well, and, and, you know, you get blue pages and yellow pages for all the updates that were coming in. Um, so it's something I've seen, you know, in large and small productions. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was good. You can really well, get yeah, it. We, we try to express nice that, that, yeah, to, to, we try to express it's cool that you're, as an actress, that you could shoot something needed or or to rewrite, because um, I, I I really dislike that phrase, fix it in post. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it's become worse and worse with how easy things are now in post compared to what they were. Um, yeah. The fact that one button does change. Uh, I mean, I thought that was cool that you shot on black and white, because like we discussed, some films are shot on color and then you hit a button and your film is black and white. So it's not, um, yeah, so it's not a DP who has to know both and who has to figure out both. Um, So uh, personally, I I loved the 
that it was black and white, um, not I'm, not just because I'm into classic films, but it was just a really good choice. It really suited the film, and um, for everyone, I, I want to make sure I have the notes straight here, um, because we discussed so many things. Uh Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about the uh, NetPix film grant? Oh yeah, um, that was a is a company that does um, they give out grants for what they call humanistic media. Um, generally, it has to be a director's first or second film in order to qualify a feature film. And uh, so we submitted the script to them when we were early in pre-production um, to kind of get the, the financing rolling. And uh, they were really gracious. And even though we were shooting before, like, their deadline and everything, they still, like, hurried up the award and went ahead and gave it to us. So that was really encouraging um, when we were first starting out the film to know that people were, you know, in, interested in it and backing it and uh, excited to see it made. So that was that was a really great thing that happened early on. Oh, that's superb. So this was your... Um... Uh, Los Angeles premiere, so because isn't CineQuest in San Jose? Okay, so are you um, you have any screenings lined up yet that you can announce? Or are you still just waiting? Or uh, right now we're currently waiting. Um, we we got accepted into CineQuest on our rough draft, and so we barely well I won't say barely, but uh, we did we finished the film in time for CineQuest, and um, and then while we were there, you know. We met other filmmakers who suggested dances with films, so um, we submitted while we were at CineQuest to dances. And so our main film festival sort of wave isn't until the end of August, September. So right now we're, you know, waiting until we can confirm or announce anything. But, uh, yeah, so I'm hoping in September we should have a lot of announcements rolling out of where we'll be screening around the country. Okay, I see. And um, is this... A film that has any form of online distribution yet? Because I know now that used to be uh, films couldn't sell until after they were done with festivals, but now uh, filmmakers are getting a deal and then just saying, oh, release me in a year and I want to play festivals, which is fine because we have friends of the show and guests that do it. So do you have anything like that in place? Um, No, not yet. Oh, Okay. Well, uh, of course, best wishes on that. This is a film that I, I, I know uh, will end up video on demand or when they have those one week in L.A., one week in New York, um, or sometimes now they've been bumping them up to a couple of days in like 15 cities. I've uh, been very lucky to have some guests on that got that and to hear what that's like. Um, since that's just not traditional. And, um, of course, with everything being online, now it's kind of, it's still a complete accomplishment, but um, I get worried about how people don't pay attention to a film. And so with this film, um, you know, again, this is has comedic elements. Um, I really want you guys to put it on your festival list because um, playing dances with films and Sydney Quest is a big um, kind of door opener. And so sometimes we've had films on here where, you know, I get emails from people and they're like, oh, you're talking about a film 
I'm never going to see. And then, you know, it plays their city the next month. So, um, <laughs> uh, I know that, uh, from about 10 minutes, I've been very fortunate. Um, I have about a 90% rate going where I'll see something and say, okay, that's going to be on Netflix. And a year later it's on Netflix. So, um, I knew with this, I was just instantly hooked, um, especially since we've talked about your lead character having um, that uh, imaginary friend. Um, what's What made this film so good and what just grabbed me for, for the audience is how this payoff does not happen in the last shot. It does not happen in the last scene. And so it was something that I don't really recall being or seeing it on film because this kind of payoff is always for the third act. Yeah. And uh, like I told you, that was really gutsy as a writer. Um, (laughs) How, how do you, was there ever a conscious thought of, it just feels great, but how will audiences be able to step out of their cookie cutter? This payoff is supposed to happen at, at 75 minutes. Did, was there any, any reservations, or were you just in your zone? Yeah, I mean, it, it always felt right, I guess, because I wasn't really interested in telling the story of, you know, like I guess telling the whole story and then the audience not getting to go on that journey with Claire. Like to me, the most interesting thing about her was the, that realization and then seeing the fallout from that, you know, how does she deal with it? How does she, you know, make sense of her life and what she's other things that she sees and other people she encounters, like, you know, how does that affect her? I, I just found that so fascinating. And, you know, maybe because I do come from an acting background, um, I was oriented in telling the story. And so for me, that's where the story was, was in the, um, the aftermath of, of that kind of reveal, of that kind of life event. Um, so it just it, it felt right from the beginning. Um, and I think because the story is told, you know, through Claire's perspective, um, we wanted to get that, you know, in the beginning and then treat, the character Josephine as real as possible through the rest of the film so that, you know, you can't, you yourself as the audience kind of lose sight of what's real and not because you're, you know, you're in Claire's head. You're looking at the world from her perspective. So that's kind of where it was, where the the motivation and the inspiration was. Um, So yeah, it always felt right to do it, you know, very early on in the story. Uh, okay, that's very. Thank you for that articulation. Um, like, uh, we're so we have such a tough time when people give two word answers. Like, oh, I just felt like it, and yeah, it seemed to work. <laughs> uh, uh, luckily, yeah. we've only had it happen a few times, and I don't like being that host who says, "Can you please, you know, at least answer something <laughs> for a minute?" You know, uh, yeah, it just sounds so arrogant to like tell people how to talk. Um, you had meant you had mentioned uh, other films and acting. If we could venture into that for a couple of minutes, um, uh, I mean, did you do commercials, shorts, or do you have something out there that you could mention that we could check out on Netflix? What's the 
Um, I may, I've mainly done smaller roles or commercial or things like that. Um, this is the first film that I've had, you know, a major role in. Um, really, I've, I've just been more focused lately on writing. Um, so I do have projects that I'm currently uh, pretty far along in, in uh, the development process that I'm hoping to get out there for people to see soon. So, you know, unfortunately, nowhere really else that I have except this movie for people to see. But, um, yeah, so I'm excited to get more things out there, especially with the, the positive response we've had from this film. Wow, because um, I know you had mentioned to me this being your first feature with acting and the writing, producing part. Um, but this was really, uh, like I said, since I since I hadn't known that you wrote it and produced it, um, when I when I pick a film, I really don't uh, read too much about the synopsis. I don't really I don't want to know that it's a director, actor, writer, producer. Um, I need that to for that surprise for me. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, this was a film that, of course, um, our show's friend Kim mentioned to me. So uh, she's always given me quality stuff. Um, in fact, the only film she asked me to review that I couldn't review because I have an eye condition was the one that one dances with films. So um, I was laughing. Oh. So I was like, I was like, wow! I couldn't watch one film and it won the festival. So uh, <laughs> I, I guess that was just like, okay, you can't do everything. Um, now, since you know you're you're you know you now have a significant credit and a great performance under your belt and you have some legit festivals for the writer producer and you said you're writing some things um what is your what would you like to see yourself doing uh the most of other than that we all dream about just making our own films and waking up and going back to bed like of the disciplines uh, where mm-hmm. do you think, as an artist, you would like to to end up? Um, well, I would like to direct next. Uh, I have a short film that I've written that um, I'm really excited about um, directing. But I really think that, for me, um, it depends on the story. Because there's plenty of stories that I'm really excited about that I don't think I'd be right to act in or I don't think I'd be the right voice to direct. So maybe that would be a place where I would produce it. Um, or, you know, there are stories that I write, you know, I love the story, but, you know, I think that maybe with somebody else to direct it, it would, it would benefit. So I think it really depends for me project by project, how I see my involvement. I don't want to write everything just for me to be in. Um, like I just want to write like the short film I wrote, there's no roles that I would play. Um, and I'd even be happy to pass that to the right director. Um, but I think it, for me it's a project-by-project basis, whether how I feel like I could best suit the story and uh, what role I could best tell that story from. Um, so I do want to move into directing, but, um, you know, I also love acting and I also love writing and I also love producing, so I just want to make movies and TV shows, you know. Oh, well, that's fantastic because, of course, now with webisodes, um uh, making things not better, but giving more people a chance and creating a space for more voices, uh, I think is really fantastic. Um, at first, I didn't, I mean, I 
<clears throat> excuse me, I still don't like that we can't go to a blockbuster or a Hollywood video. Um, yeah. I mean, that also frustrates me because I used to be able to go in there and see videos I had on the shelf, and now it's like, if the store is gone, did I ever have a video on a shelf? So um, <laughs> it's like one of those filmmaker riddles. Uh, but with <laughs> Netflix, it's, you know, it's, obviously it's nice to not have to run to the store and run back and worry about late fees, but I'm still a person in the show. We like to promote the library. Uh, we used to give top tens of what's in certain library systems. Uh, we have mm-hmm. associates that go to libraries in L.A., and and uh, we used to let people know, hey, you know, check this out. We need to not just watch Captain America and the Avengers 8 and uh, watch these films that, you know, really are dying on DVD, and you're lucky if you find them. So mm-hmm. to, you know, soak in that gratitude. So as far as uh, film history goes, as a filmmaker, um, what would you say, be it film history or music, what is what is something else that really influences you as an artist? Uh, that uh, let's go with not film related. That 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 fuels your tank. Uh, definitely music. Um, I can be listening to music, and you know, out of that, story ideas will just start, and I'll have to just grab something and start writing things down. And it's not any specific kind of music, but you know, every once in a while, just a song will just spark an idea. And um, so I, I listen to a lot of music when I write, like constantly. <laughs> and um, even when I'm not looking to write, if I'm listening to music, um, I might just, you know, my mind might start wandering and then all of a sudden I find an idea. Um, so music is incredibly um, uh, helpful and inspiring for me. Um, as well as just kind of like, you know, not to sound cheesy, but like, you know, nature, you know, <laughs> getting outside and, you know, right. and uh, hiking and getting some fresh air. And, you know, I I do enjoy art, too. You know, I've just always, you know, um, painting or drawing or whatever kind of helps clear the mind and, you know, ideas come out of that. So, um, yeah, just, you know, trying to do other things, I guess, inspire um, writing and filmmaking. Okay, yeah, because it's... It's so cliche, it's true to a degree, but then I often see where it's not true, where um, in Los Angeles, it has to be like film, 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 but then it's like other than people who are making millions of dollars to be like that, uh, there mm-hmm. are people that are into concerts and, you know, um, uh, I mean, especially music. I'm exactly what you said. I, I have to listen to music before I do these shows, while I schedule them, while I plan them. Um, yeah. We, we want to have some and, composers on. And... Go ahead. And I really love, like, documentaries. And uh, and I don't know if you listen to Charlie Rose, but he'll have always, like, you know, interesting people on. So I was actually listening to a lot of the Charlie Rose Brain series when I was writing Joseph Nito. Um, and then from there, I would even just go find YouTube videos of, of you know, uh, experts talking about, you know, mental illness and, and their field. And it was just, you know, as much information. And, you know, it, it, I think it was Guillermo del Toro said he just finds what, what excites him, and then that's what he writes about. So I kind of try to, you know, if something is interesting, a documentary or a book, you know, um, I just want to pick it up or listen to it and, and see what comes from that. Um, you know, not even with necessarily a story idea in mind, but just 
you know, if it's interesting, I might as well follow that and pursue that and see what that leads to. Well, well, thank you for mentioning Charlie Rose. He's so <laughs> amazing. He, he always has the best guests. He's, I mean, obviously it's edited, so you don't know how many times it takes his, him to get his interview so perfect, but right. uh, that's a big, I love when there's Charlie Rose shows on a DVD or um, there was a real superb one he did with Daniel Day-Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson after they made There Will Be Blood. Um, and I know that's on YouTube. Um, he he definitely, I think, um, on the male side, set the, set the standard. Um, of course, Barbara Walters on the, on the woman's side. But, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you mentioned Charlie Rose because uh, we kind of studied Charlie Rose to to do what we're doing with you right now. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, because he has that perfect ability um, that, like, you know, I know it's not all editing of kind of when to go, when to press, how to reshape. Um, so that's cool that you're being aware of that as well. Um, so uh, back again to kind of uh, Josephine Doe, did you, because I know there's filmmakers who, you know, obviously set out to say, okay, this is what I want to get me an agent. Uh, other than just recouping costs, I want a Ferrari. Um, I, you <laughs> know, I want to be known. I want to get a deal. Um, what was your actual intention and purpose for the film that besides the fact that, you know, anybody wants to sell their film for X amount or, you know, pay people deferred fees for, for you as the writer and actress, uh, what was your goal that you hope Josephine Doe gives the world? Um, gives the world. I mean, I guess I would say that from the writing perspective and then the acting perspective, it was, and I know the director and everyone else that came on board as well, uh, the most important thing to everybody involved was just trying to make an honest film. And um, hopefully by telling an honest story, you know, people um, would be able to relate, you know, would be able to open up. I mean, we've had a lot of people, I mean, it's an incredibly, incredibly rewarding to show the film in a, in a huge theater with a, with a full audience, with the full sound, and then be able to stand there afterwards and up in front of everybody and actually talk to the audience and hear their questions and hear how they related to it or what they understood about it or, you know, problems that they even had, you know. It's just incredibly rewarding to be able to connect with people. Um, So I guess that would be what um, my goal is. I mean, obviously, I want to keep doing it. So that's, you know, more the professional side of what I wanted out of this film is just chance to keep making more um, TV shows, films, you know, just be able to do that, you know, consistently. Um, but overall, I, I think we really just all wanted to tell an honest story and then hope that, you know, people related to it and connected with the material. Well, that's, um, you know, as I mentioned in our prelim, I, 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 I lost an aunt to mental illness and the offshoot of certain things that mental illness can do to someone. And, and it's, to me, it's as, you know, it's as serious as someone who loses a limb. It's, um, yeah. 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into the gun thing and how it's always blamed on that, but it's, it is a very tough thing and it is very hard to watch someone go through it. And it's the way your brain controls everything and you want to just say, Hey, I'm fine today, but you're not, and your chemicals are off. Um, so I was very, uh, excited to see because for me, uh, any any film I get to see where a filmmaker, whether it's a comedy, um, our last guest made this great comedy short where in reality it was just a real big, like, we're fussing about religion too much. But since mm-hmm. he made it as a comedy, it was so accessible. And it was so kind of like, afterwards you went, ah, he was... He was like totally being Oliver Stone, but he knew how to pull back and how to shape it and without being manipulative and it was just a 10 minute film. So to have, um, to even be paying attention to mental illness past just when we want to knock what they do that's not good um, was really satisfying. And um, I actually had kind of a tough time uh, watching the film because obviously it was making me think of my aunt and it was making me think of other relatives who have had mental mm-hmm. issues and it was just like it was like too uh, um, what do you call it? too accurate which is a good thing as a filmmaker <laughs> yeah. you're supposed to be accurate but um, did you have um, I might have got this backwards when we did the prelim did you have uh, any MDs or psychiatrists or groups that you let take a look at the script or kind of uh, give you some consultation to really? Um, it, it was pretty interesting. I mean, while writing it, um, I don't even think that I mentioned what I was writing about necessarily, um, but I did have uh, friends and people close to me who opened up about maybe family members that they had. Um, that suffered from mental illness and things like that. And so a lot of them offered to read it and, you know, help with especially things like the the doctor, you know, the psychiatrist and the dialogue that happened with them and, you know, kind of give that perspective. Um, And then we were really lucky. It was just the most random thing. Um, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts and, and, and YouTube videos and things about mental illness. And this one woman who was talking about uh, schizophrenia specifically, her name was Dr. Tracy Scale. She actually said some wonderful things that I just completely related to as far as I didn't really know if I was qualified to sort of tell this story. And, you know, and um, she just basically explained mental illness in a way that I felt like it was okay for me to tell this story. It was okay for me to write this story. And so it happened to be that she is a doctor practicing in Cincinnati, which is actually where we shot. So we had our producer reach out to her. And um, she connected, and she loves film, and she loves theater, and her daughter's an actress. She actually ended up being in the as well, and she came on, and she was a consultant to us for a uh, mental health consultant. She deals specifically in schizophrenia, and she actually went through and gave diagnoses to our characters and um, and had us come over to her clinic and, um, and, and meet some of her patients and everything and spend, you know, an afternoon there with her. So she was incredibly, incredibly helpful with um, – approaching the material and, and again, keeping in with that honest take that we wanted to have on the, on the story. Um, so yeah, we did have, we were really, really fortunate to have, uh, 
Dr. Scale come on and uh, be our consultant for the film. Wow, that's superb um, because we all know that not all, but there's a large contingency of filmmakers uh, everywhere, but in L.A. that basically got a Ph.D. and they know everything. So (laughs) it's kind of like a weakness to have a consultant or... But you had mentioned Cincinnati. Um, why uh, filming in Ohio? Yeah, we uh, went back and forth on that. The director is from Cincinnati, and uh, one of our producers, Dan, that we brought on early, um, is also from Cincinnati. They actually moved out here to go to film school together. Um, and so when we were looking at going into production, uh, we were trying to decide between um, the locations that Cincinnati had to offer. Um, and that fit more with the tone of the film, kind of like, you know, could be anywhere USA sort of feeling like middle America. Um, but then we knew that it would be more difficult to find cast and crew. Um, so we weighed the options. We decided that Cincinnati was better for the feel of the film. And we hoped that we would just be able to find the right people. And um, the producer and the actress that played Angie, my sister, She's also Cincinnati-based, and so we brought her on pretty early, and she was amazing in finding local cast and uh, locations and everything like that. So, yeah, we decided to shoot in Cincinnati mostly for the uh, the feel. It was the right it was the right tone, the right place, and also the big festival scene. Um, we needed those fireworks, and we needed the festival, and and um, we knew that Cincinnati had really good fireworks, so we made that the that was sort of helped in making the decision. Oh, oh, now I see. Now I hear your resourceful producer cap um, at work, the way you just explained that. Um, (laughs) You you, you sound very, uh, or you're not, uh, sorry. Um, You don't sound like you're temperamental, so that sounds like a really good... uh, Oh, producers that just like yell at their crew make me nuts. Um, I've, <laughs> I've PA'd some of the worst shows just I, I think ever. I think they literally were like the guy could have been, gotten an Oscar for having no respect for crew. Um, and yeah. that's, that's the thing that frustrates me that when the industry gets a bad rap. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I liked that when you said Cincinnati because it was the thing I thought it completely worked to your advantage, uh, and you know this, but for audience members, was the Anywhere America, because that would yeah. have had too many implications if it was New York or L.A. or uh, the Midwest, um, like Missouri or St. Louis. Um, yeah. And so and that the, was a really great thing. The isolation of the character was really important, like making her feel isolated. So I think making having her anywhere that was sort of specific, um, you know, in New York City or LA would, would sort of, you know, kind of I mean it, I, I guess it would take a different tone with it, but but we wanted her more, you know, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, anywhere. It could be, you know, middle of anywhere, really. <clears throat> well it's a perfect nuance to give to the character because I've I've been to thirty one states and I can honestly say that uh, all due respect to our Ohio friends and listeners. Uh, that was the state that threw off my balance the most. That was the state that 
I had the toughest time staying in for a week. Um, I, it, it just made me feel really uncomfortable mentally. And I was in Cleveland, um, mm. had to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I mentioned to everyone, it is worth it when you, when you have the dough to go to Cleveland for two days, spend two days all day at the Rock Hall, and then just, you know, get out of there. <laughs> uh, it's, I guess it's also too that it's just opposite who I am and I think I watched a great documentary on ESPN the other day even if you're not a sports fan you could appreciate how well it was made it was called Believe Land and it was just about how all the sports teams have lost in game seven or lost by a point or blown the Super Bowl in the last five seconds um, of course, this now changes with the Cavaliers winning last week, but uh, mm-hmm. there's just such a, like, it's not like L.A. where you can be from different states and different places and and find your group after a couple of years. Um, it's like you're from Cleveland or you're not. Like, you love Ohio or you don't. Like, and that's what I found to be really interesting that I, until I asked you about the locations, I realized that subconsciously it was helping me as a viewer because I wasn't able to pay attention to anything outside of what was going on. So that was a really, I mean, was it just logistical or was that someone's idea to like, was that there in the script in the beginning? This needs to be anywhere America. Like, yeah, yeah. It was written that way. It was written like, I, I think it might have been written Ohio, but it was it was basically like rural, like you know, I mean, but not completely rural. I mean, like just kind of suburbs, like you know, because um, we shot north of Cincinnati. Um, people were amazing, really, really kind people, um, and we got really lucky with the talent that we were able to find. Um, and everybody just sort of really, really poured everything into helping us make the movie. So for us, it was it was a really, really rewarding experience to shoot there in Cincinnati and. Um, but yeah, it was it was written to be that location, um, and that's kind of where the debate was of you know do we change the location to be here in LA and have more contacts and more people that we know, or you know to come out to be crew and all that, or do we go to Cincinnati and hope that we find people just because that's what feels right for the for the film and decided to go with the the location. Uh, okay, well, because Cincinnati, I mean. Uh... I know I have to go there one day because I'm a baseball fanatic and I have to see Red okay. Stadium. Uh, I, I want to go to every stadium in the in the major league, and I've been to 13. I'm hopefully going to see my 14th and 15th this season. Um, I want to go everywhere but Houston, and um, <laughs> just because it's called Enron Field, and we won't get into what Enron did to our country, but um, I basically just. Uh, you know, know there's certain towns that I have to go to where I'm going to be like, okay, it's just to see the baseball game. So if I really don't want to be there, I can just leave the next morning. So um, I do, I, I do have a interest in Cincinnati. And um, I, I guess another question that I always love to ask filmmakers was how did it feel to like lights go down, you're in your chair and it's like, you know, your film is on the big screen. Um, 
Can I be honest? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, it's kind of terrible and amazing at the same time. Um, I I thought, you know, after getting the world premiere out of the way that it would be easier, but no, every, every screening is just as nerve-wracking for me, um, especially sitting there with the audience. You don't know how they're going to react. You don't know if people are going to get up and leave, you know. Um, so kind like I said, kind of terrible, but then also awesome at the same time, because, you know, you do hear them laugh when you, you're hoping they laugh and, you know, you do hear the audience sort of live and breathe through it. Um, which is, you know, I did start in theater and that was always strange to me that you don't get the audience reaction until it's done. Um, you know, with film, I mean, with theater, you can see how the audience reacts and you're like, oh, well that didn't work. Okay. Let's change it for the next day, for the next showing, for the next show that we do. Um, the next performance, but with film, it's by the time the audience sees it, you're you're pretty much you should be done. You know, you may go back and tweak a few things, but honest, but you know, you are at least, you know, most of the way done with the film by the time you have an audience see it. And um, so that's that's kind of terrifying because you know, especially with the film festival, you know, we're like that's it, we're done. There's no more changes. This is it. And um, to put that in front of people. Um, it's really exciting. It's really rewarding, but it's it's also incredibly terrifying. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's it's got to be a little further than just life itself is yin yang or has yin yang moments. Um, uh, again, just a little. I I don't know. I don't know why I call it station identification because radio is gone. But um, we're here talking with uh, Miss Erin Capoletti. Um, I'm sorry. Is it, <laughs> It's Capoletti? Cipolletti. Cipolletti, okay. Um, so yeah. <laughs> are you obviously Italian? I am. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Italian producer, don't cross her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Italian and Sicilian and Mexican, so I got the wonderful yeah. double, double whammy of uh, temper. Um, Passion. We call it passion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's so funny is you're you're the fifth filmmaker I met this year that was a producer director and told me that the Italian thing is just passion, and I was like, Oh, really? I I love it because it keeps being the like, no, we don't lose our cool. We're just passionate. Like, you know, we didn't throw that salami across the room. We were just acting out of love. Um, <laughs> You know, um, and uh, not sounding so stereotypical, salami is my favorite food, and, and I'm Italian, so I can make those PC comments that we're not supposed to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see, I was going with, sorry, I didn't mean to get off on a salami tangent. Um, you, uh, sorry, did okay. you... Um, I think I might have asked you earlier, I'm getting confused if it was the prelim. Uh, what what was your formal acting training if, besides the theater? Uh, yeah, theater. Studied, um, you know, studied in high school, studied in college, um, theater. And then I moved out here and I studied um, at pretty much all the places you're supposed to study. <laughs> Like improv and all that, and and all the all the classic classes. Um, but the most influential and most helpful was um, a teacher named Art Wolf. Um, he's retired now, but he he was an amazing inspiration. His class was amazing, and um, 
he used to teach at NYU, and uh, he was a director for many years. He directed Seinfeld and the Tracy Ullman Show and things like that. And when he, after he retired from directing, he started a acting class, and um, that that was a really amazing class. And I and we met a lot of really really talented people in that class, and uh, that's been the most helpful, I think, in in my career um, with studying with him. But yeah, actors are always studying, so you know, improv, everything. Well, that's, um, I'm, it's cool that you're acknowledging, I've, you know, that's the other thing is the acknowledging of crew, uh, the acknowledging of mentors. Um, it's like, you know, Al Pacino didn't start out on his own. Like, you know, he still talks about right. mentors. Um, so that's another important part of please, if, you, if, if, for everyone that listens to this episode and if, for if we got first time filmmakers, you know, please keep that in mind, you know, find a good mentor, find someone who's, I always call it, you need someone who's willing to tell you that you suck or yeah. that you need to work on this. Um, it's not always just praise, praise, praise. And it, you actually only know you're doing well if, if someone tells you you suck and then someone tells you you did well. I mean, that's, the greatest gauge of improvement um, and we can't stress that enough. So I'm glad that you mentioned uh, that you have people that you still uh, talk to or that influenced you that you're willing to credit. Um, so when you, when you took theater classes, were they uh, taking a class um, or just so the audience knows, or was it like you have a bachelor in theaters or you have a master in theaters or. Um, I, I was in a, a BFA program, but I, I moved to LA before I finished. <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and for, just for, what is a VFA class? A Bachelor of Fine Arts. Uh, in oh, okay. Performance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's smart. I mean, I, I just did my degrees in general education and film and uh, then found out that films are better if you know a lot about history and politics and psychology. And uh, it's almost like in some cases, it's better to know more about, it's better to know less about film that, uh, you know, like for your story, I mean, sure. Okay. You know, your director's going to know where to put a light and when to say action and you're going to know the day your scripts do, but you have to have the understanding of psychology and, um, sociology and how these your characters are treated and uh, what nuances they would have um, so yeah I, I mean I did do a producing um, seminar with UCLA uh, like while I was still in school um, and that's kind of what convinced me to move here was I took a summer uh, they have like a producing intensive and I spent the summer at UCLA through that program that taught producing and it also set you up with internships um, so I interned at like an agency management company and then I also interned um, on feature film and um, that's sort of when I decided I just really wanted to be out here and just working in the industry. So that's why I left school and I moved out here and started working in the art department um, on some really big films and I thought that that was, a re I mean, anywhere you can, if you like learning, I think that you can really learn anywhere and so for me I just was trying to pick up everything I could, you know, on these large productions, on these small productions. And then, you know, I did eventually finish my degree um, 
but I but I finished it in art instead. Um, but you know, and then all the while just training with with everyone I could around Los Angeles, all the all the great teachers that LA provides for everybody. Some people probably benefit from having formal education. For me, I I was just I guess whatever I was learning wherever I could. Um, and I made friends, like I said, or I don't think I said, but I made friends with film students early on. And so I would act in all their projects for school. So I learned a lot, you know, as far as acting for camera, um, that sometimes acting classes don't actually teach, you know, like the technical side of it. Um, so really it was just trying to, trying to learn as much as I could about every side of it. Um, and, um, and just continuing to, to learn and grow. Plus those classes, um, yeah, I still hear the no film school. I still hear what does film school give you? I have a camera, but the one thing that um, I just don't believe happens outside of film school, sure, it can happen with a friend that you've known 25 years, but film school provides that, or any class, provides that person who, you know, you help them, they help you. Uh, they're going to be the ones who hire you 10 years from now when you're down and out and need a gig. Um, you're going to hire them because you know that they're on time and they don't mess around. And um, I remember the first day of film school, our, our head teacher said, don't impress any of us. We don't care because we wouldn't give any of you a job. They, <laughs> they, they said, look around the room. This is who you need to look good for because right. no one cares about your career, but who's sitting next to you. And I see that now where even with this show, I'm fortunate to have friends in multiple countries and multiple other big film cities and they promote the show for us and, you know, line mm-hmm. up guests once we break into Canada and Mexico city. So um, I like what you're saying about taking classes and working on others projects and the real brilliance from that and you don't have to admit if you experience it is that <laughs> you can even have something that really didn't work and we all know if if you did something that didn't work in LA you'd, you'd never hear from that person again but you could do something that didn't work and your film school buddy will work with you again or vice yeah. versa so it's like um, people need to know like okay yeah if you can't afford it then you know, don't be in debt for 25 years, but if you can afford anything or take it and be yourself, you know, I'm always saying collect cards. It trips me out that people don't collect cards um, or give out cards. It's like, how is anyone going to remember you from five minutes? Um, yeah. All those little networking tools, I think, obviously have to play great for you on a film like this because you can network as a writer, as an actor, or a producer. So you have three different uh, folks that are going to be looking at your talent or interested or that want to talk about your talent. So that was a a cool, smart uh, move on your place uh, (laughs) to to do that, Um, whether it was conscious or unconscious. um, Because... uh, I mean, we all know networking is the most important thing. I mean, sure, talent is and a great script, but, you know, I've always said that the best talent with no contacts that will answer the phone means nothing. So, 
Um, yeah. That's kind of just how you got to do it in L.A. So um, as we head into our last three or four minutes, I wanted to know, I wanted to give you the chance if there's any uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, website that you'd like to promote um, just for the next two and a half, three minutes. You don't have to talk the whole time, but um, the floor is yours. So hit us. Oh, <laughs> Oh, no. I, I, okay. I'm bad at the social media stuff, talking about, like, networking. I should be better at that. But um, we are – we do have our website, josephinedoe.com, and through the website it links to our Twitter, our Facebook, and our Instagram um, that we update pretty frequently, especially uh, when we get into a festival and can update people on, you know, our next screening where we'll be playing and, and hopefully, you know, when we get distribution where everybody can see the film. Um but there's some behind-the-scenes stuff, some, you know, stills from the film, the trailer, if you guys want to check it out. Um, I think on Instagram we have a couple, you know, short clips of the video or short clips of the film to sort of promote it and give people an idea of what the, let them see a little bit more of the film. So justfindo.com, that'll lead you to our IMDb, our Twitter, our Facebook, and our Instagram well, it's excellent that you got that all covered. And then, plus, I was reading some of the reviews. Uh, now you have the glorious achievement that you were on our show. So that, you know, you might as well just move on to your next project. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, we, we have been so lucky that, uh, not our show yet, but when I wrote for a film magazine, I was so lucky that a number of filmmakers... Uh, put my pull quote on the DVD and it just made me, it made it, it was so funny to see because you're thinking like, if someone's going to rent this, like, is that really going to like make them rent it because they saw my name and (laughs) I'm not bragging, but it's just like really surreal to see a DVD cover and like, you're the supposed, you know, like when you'd see Roger Ebert. Well, so, um, you know, uh, in that as we have the last, uh, 90 seconds here. Just wanted to say uh, thank you again. You're uh, you're welcome back. Um, it, whether it's for a next project or it's to let us know about a screening or we're going to be doing a some series coming up where we just talk film and have panels or we discuss directors. So um, we never expect it, but just uh, so you know, uh, you're 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 uh, officially part of what we call our family tree and just uh we wish you the best with all of this and and please definitely at, at minimum let us know uh when you get vod or if you're going to have some kind of run or other la screening because we like to get that word out yeah i mean i'm, I'm so appreciative of, of you reviewing our film and and letting me get on here and talk for an hour um and uh, so thank you. Thank you guys so much for, for, you know, selecting our film to review and, and, you know, promote and get the word out there. So thank you again. Oh yeah. No, yeah. No, you're, you're, you're very, very welcome. And you have a great afternoon and uh, we'll be in touch soon with the link. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Aloha. All right. Bye. And that was Aaron, wonderful director. Thank you for joining us, everyone. I got to say it quick today. No matter what you're going to do, make sure and watch a good movie tonight. Aloha and peace to everyone.